Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The United States and Mexico are days away from their last World Cup qualifying clash of this cycle. And as North America will serve as the host for the 2026 World Cup, their last World Cup qualifying clash for a a long time. So this is going to be something that we're going to have to savor and really appreciate because we won't see these two teams squaring off with World Cup qualifying on the line in some time. Now, that being said... This matchup comes at a really interesting time for for both national teams. Uh, Now, this game is important because USA and Mexico is always important, but the importance of this game per se is kind of different for both squads. For the U.S. coming in, a a loss, a a tie, a win to Mexico does not necessarily take care of business for them. That game against Panama is going to be far more important mathematically, uh, just depending on how things shake out. And whenever it comes to Mexico, while Mexico would love to win against the U.S. in Azteca, while the fan base is going to demand it and while Mexico hasn't beaten the United States in some time uh, Mexico does have more opportunities to qualify against El Salvador and Honduras two teams that they would uh, very much prefer their odds in now even though this game is not necessarily a must win for either national team USA versus Mexico, especially USA versus Mexico in Estadio Azteca is an absolute spectacle uh, of a match day. And it's going to be incredibly important for both fan bases. Estadio Azteca is going to be absolutely packed and absolutely rocking. And it's going to be an incredible game to watch. I'm just absolutely sure of it. Now, what's going to happen in that game? How do both teams line up? And and what's going on with both national teams at the moment? We're going to get into all that more on this episode of the Yank Report. What's up? My name is Sam. This is the Yank Report, the show about the U.S. men's national team if you're into the national team hit the subscribe button uh if you want to support the channel hit the like button let's get into it with mexico because mexico comes into this game at a really interesting time for for the program now mexico isn't really worried about qualifying so much in this window most of the fans are are fairly certain that they're going to qualify the issue with mexico and it's been the issue with mexico for quite some time is not just getting to the world cup but performing well in the world cup for Mexico, it's all been about that all-important fifth game, the Quito Partido, the getting past the knockout stage and beyond. And the question throughout qualifying and coming into this window is, does Mexico have the team to do it? And looking at this roster, looking at how this team has set up and performed throughout World Cup qualifying, there's a lot of Mexican fans out there that are questioning whether or not that's true. And, and I think as we go through the roster and as we go through some of the lineup choices and some of the things that Tato Martino has done with this team throughout World Cup qualifying... You can see why the fan base is a little bit less than enthused and a little bit less than optimistic about how Mexico is ultimately going to perform in the World Cup once they get there. Now, for the Americans, boy, it's the exact opposite, baby. The the Americans missed out on the 2018 World Cup, uh, so the anxiety within the fan base is ultra high. Uh, Even though it's very likely that the U.S. is going to qualify for the World Cup in this uh, cycle, In the previous cycle, it was even more likely, and the U.S. failed to get the result they needed in Trinidad and Tobago whenever all the chips were down. So, justifiably, the American fans are absolutely on edge as we get into this final window. So, how will it actually shake out? Let's let's take a look at this Mexican team first before we get started. And whenever you talk about a Mexican roster, I think it's always most important to start out talking about who's not on the roster versus who is on the roster. The first player to mention, just because he's not been a part of World Cup qualifying, but he's so important to the Mexican national team is Chicharito, Javier Hernandez. Javier Hernandez is the forward that's playing with the LA Galaxy that Tata Martino has just not really called into the squad. Uh, He's chosen other strikers, even though striker has been a position of need for the next Mexican national team for quite some time. And 
that has upset the fan base tremendously. Javier Hernandez is absolutely beloved within the Mexican national team fan base. He's damn near a national hero, and the Mexican national team just refuses to call him in for whatever reason. Now, now compounding to that and making that even worse is that Funes Mori, the striker who was nationalized, the Argentinian-born Mexican striker, uh, is going to be out of this camp as well. So with him out, that means uh, Raul Jimenez is going to be the top guy. Uh, and, and beyond that, there's, there's not a lot of strikers that the Mexican fans are very confident in behind Raul Jimenez. So this would have been an opportunity to bring in Chicharito. Uh, Tata Martino still refuses to bring in Chicharito, and, and that is really upsetting the fan base. Now, of course, Carlos Vela is not going to be with this national team as well. He's not been with the Mexican national team for some time. If you've been following the story, you know that Carlos Vela has had some issues with the Federation, and he just hasn't been a part of the setup. Uh, he hasn't been a part of qualifying. Uh, just something worth mentioning. Football might be over, but MLS is coming back, and Champions League and European soccer are in full swing. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage, from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play all your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. Other notable absences are going to be Andres Guardado, the veteran midfielder who has been, I mean, he's been an absolute warrior for uh, for El Tri in the past. He won't be a part of this uh, lineup. Chaka Rodriguez has been the much maligned right back for the Mexican national team. He's been dropped for form. Now that we have a little background on the roster, let's jump into who we expect. Tata Martino to line up. And let's start with the front three, because I think the front three is undoubtedly the strength of the Mexican national team right now. Uh, and it's the easiest group to pick. I mean, it's going to be Raul Jimenez, it's going to be Tecatito Corona, and it's going to be Chucky Lozano. Now, in the previous matchup, uh, Tecatito Corona was not playing much for his club team. He ends up getting his move. Now he's at Sevilla, and he's playing a lot more regularly. He's going to be a lot more informed than he was in the in the last matchup. I think he's going to be a different player. He's going to be a difference maker. He's going to be back to that terrifying uh, Jesus Corona that we've known from, from years past. I think he's going to be a lot more scary uh, of a front three to go up against. I mean, Chucky Lozano has always performed well in an L3 jersey, and Raul Jimenez is that talisman, that, that striker for Wolverhampton Wonders. He recently got a goal in Premier League, and he's certainly one of the deadliest strikers in all of CONCACAF. Now, the issue with the front three that I have here is I think beyond Mexico's front three, beyond their top three guys, you're not really scared by a lot of the guys that could come in off the bench. Now, traditionally, uh, I remember so many times playing Mexico where they would just kill the U.S. men's national team with their substitutions. They could always bring in guys who would really impact the game off the bench. In this particular matchup, there's not a lot of people in this lineup that I'm really worried about coming in and impacting the game. I mean, Diego Linez was the player that came in in Nations League, and, and he was uh, stellar there. But he's been getting very few minutes for Real Batiste, and I don't expect him to have a huge impact in this game. Another player that they could bring off the bench is Uriel Antuna of Cruz Azul. And while he's a fine, you know, he's a good player, he's not uh, he's not a player on the level of Chucky Lozano or, or, or Tecatito Corona. He's not a player that really strikes fear in the hearts uh, of, the, of the opposition fan base off the bench. And that's the kind of player that Mexico has traditionally been able to bring off the bench bench and it's not a player that, that, that they have right now in this lineup the front three is very good but it's also very thin 
And that's kind of the same story as we move into the midfield. Now, in the last matchup in, in November, Hector Herrera was in a poor run of form. He wasn't getting many minutes for Atletico Madrid. Now, in this particular matchup, he's been playing a lot more regularly, and he's playing well. Uh, if you recall, Hector Herrera in the Gold Cup was probably the best player of the Gold Cup. It's been argued for a while that Hector Herrera was, at one point, the best player in CONCACAF. I mean, he's a tremendous midfielder. If you recall the last game in November, uh, the few opportunities that Mexico did get in that game, it was because Hector Herrera had an ounce of space, and Ache Ache was able to just laser in a perfect precision pass and break open the American defense. He's a player that, if he gets space, if he gets time, he can absolutely tear the Americans apart. He's going to be partnered with Edson Alvarez, who is uh, an absolutely phenomenal defensive midfielder. Edson Alvarez is known for um, dropping far back. He'll often drop back in between the center backs and and almost be like a, a sweeper at times. He's just a tremendous player for Ajax. And whenever Ache Ache and Edson Alvarez are both on the field for Mexico, you know that they're going to be looking to build up, looking for long balls over the top, looking to combine. They're very technical, very savvy, very veteran players. Uh, they're going to be very difficult for the U.S. men's national team to break down. The big question for the midfield in Mexico is who's going to be that third guy? Uh, Mexico has been looking for that third player just about this entire cycle. As I mentioned before, Andres Guardado is not going to be in the mix. I'm not sure if Tata Martino would even want to play Andres Guardado against the U.S. men's national team. If we remember in the previous matchup in November, the the Mexican midfield really got overrun by the athleticism of the Americans. Uh, the MMA midfield was just able to just be everywhere and, and just deny space to Edson Alvarez and Ache Ache. Uh, and having a less athletic, you know, Andres Gordado out there with his older legs was not really a recipe for success. You would think that the Mexicans would want to in inject a little bit more youth. And that's what we're expecting here. Now, I think whoever Tata Martino decides to go within that third midfielder slot is going to give us a lot of insight into how Tata sees this game playing out. There's the more defensive option in Luis Romo, or there's the more attacking option in Charlie Rodriguez. Now, if I'm completely honest, and I know the Mexican fans are going to get upset with me about this, neither of those options really scares me as a U.S. men's national team fan. I don't think any of those guys are on the level of uh, Weston McKinney or Tyler Adams, or maybe even Eunice Musa for that matter. Uh, but both are very competent players that can go out there and put in a shift for the Mexican national team. Now, where it gets really spicy for Mexico is the defense, because... This is the area of the field where I think a lot of Mexican fans are a lot are really nervous about what decisions that Tata Martino is going to make. Let's start with the center backs. Now, there's been three center backs that Tata Martino has really been cycling a lot uh, for, for this for this uh, national team. There is Hector Moreno, who is the OG, the 34-year-old center back that's seen it all and done it all for Monterey, the guy who's just been an absolute warrior for the Mexican national team in the past, although he's getting up there in age and isn't exactly uh, getting regular minutes for his club or for his country he's getting rotated uh, but maybe this is a game where um, where Tata wants his experience there is Hector Moreno's teammate over at Monterey Cesar Montez who's been getting a lot of minutes under Tata Martino as a center back in this World Cup qualifying cycle and then there's the third guy Nestor Araujo the 30 year old center back for Celta Vigo who has also been getting heavy rotation uh, for minutes 
with the Mexican national team. If you guys remember in the game in November, one of the big weaknesses Mexico had was center backs. They had a lot of guys out. I believe Nestor Araujo was out with a red card suspension or something like that. Uh, so they had to start a, a bunch of guys who were just um, weren't weren't prepared, didn't have a lot of experience, and and the U.S. was really able to eat that up. It won't be the same case. Now, one guy I did leave out is Johan Vasquez, the 23-year-old center back over at Genoa and Serie A. Uh, one of the big overriding frustrations with the Mexican fan base about Tata Martino throughout World Cup qualifying is this failure to kind of uh, inject youth into this Mexican national team. At 23, a guy who is getting Serie A minutes is a player that, um, a center back that a lot of Mexican fans would like to see kind of be brought into the mix. Uh, so far, it does not look like Tata has been really up to bringing in a lot of younger players. And, and of course, I say younger. 23 years old and the Mexican national team is considered younger on the younger side. On the men's net, on the U.S. men's national team, 23 would be you know, one of our veteran guys at this point, somebody that we'd be relying on for leadership. But in Mexico, it's a little bit different. At 23 years old, you're still kind of young and being introduced. So that's one of the big frustrations, the, the fact that Johan Vasquez hasn't really gotten many opportunities to show what he can do within this lineup. And I doubt we see him in this game for El Tri. Now, as we move on to fullbacks, fullbacks is one of those positions that the Mexican fans have been very frustrated with. The two guys who have gotten the bulk of the minutes, Jesus Gallardo and Chaka Rodriguez, are among the most vilified players among the fan base within El Tri. And boy, uh, in that matchup in November, uh, the U.S. men's national team wingers were able to make a lot of hay on the wings against uh, El Tri. Now, in this particular camp, there will be no Chaka Rodriguez. He's out. So we're going to see a new right back. And there's speculation that Jesus Gallardo, who's sort of been dropped as the starter in Monterey and hasn't been getting regular minutes for that club, may potentially be replaced as well. So we could be in a situation where there's two new fullbacks uh, facing the U.S. men's national team uh, in Azteca. One of those fullbacks could be L.A. Galaxy right back Julian Araujo, the player who was choosing not too long ago between picking the El Tri or the U.S. Men's National Team at the international level. Uh, he could be the player tapped uh, to come in and, and start this game. Again, as I said before, the frustrating thing that Mexican fans are upset about with Tata Martino is being very conservative with his lineups, picking older players, picking players who have gotten a lot of minutes, and not bringing in new players. So uh, that'll be the thread as we look to see how Tata starts up, sets up this team going into this game, whether he chooses this window, the final window of World Cup qualifying, to start bringing in a little some younger players, a little bit more youth, and injecting some optimism into this fan base as Mexico heads to the 2022 World Cup, or if he does as he's done throughout World Cup qualifying and goes with some of the incumbents, some of the older players. At keeper, it's going to be Guillermo Ochoa. Memo Ochoa, one of the most beloved Mexican soccer players out there. Uh, only fun factoid I can give you about Guillermo Ochoa is that he uh, streams Warzone on Twitch, and he's pretty trash at Call of Duty. Now, for the American side of things, let me show you this, guys. I got, I got all these notes that I typed up about the Mexican national team about what they would do. For the Americans, boy. Boy, I don't know. It is it is super interesting because, as we said at the top of this, this game for the U.S. is important, but it's not all that important to World Cup qualifying. It's not as important as that game against Panama. And the fascinating thing is, you know, uh, Estadio Azteca is at altitude, and there is... Uh, years of evidence that suggests that if you play a game at altitude and then immediately fly and play another game, it can have a lasting impact on some of the fitness. 
Now, Greg Berhalter has said in press conferences that, you know, the team officials have reached out to some other team officials that have played at Estadio Azteca recently. It doesn't feel like um, the, the the wear and tear on the players is going to be so great that we he has to rotate tremendously. You know, he's he said in press conferences that, you know, Tyler Adams can definitely go all three games. You know, he said a lot of things in the press conference. We don't know what is gamesmanship and what he's actually being truthful about. Uh, this is World Cup qualifying. This is sports after all. The coach does not necessarily have to tell everybody the truth about his game plan or what he's thinking going into that. Now, for the U.S., there are some fairly large omissions to this roster. Weston McKinney, of course, has been out for a while. Serginho Dest got injured right as the roster got released. Uh, Brendan Aronson, Chris Richards is still suffering from the injury that he suffered uh, in Honduras or against Honduras in the last round of World Cup qualifiers. Of course, no John Brooks. That was a roster decision. So the U.S. is going to be a bit shorthanded as they head into this World Cup qualifier, especially considering the role that Weston McKinney played in that last game in November. I mean, he was absolutely tremendous. Now, what does the U.S. have? The U.S. has a Christian Pulisic that is just about in the best form that we've seen in him, seen him in for his club uh, throughout all of World Cup qualifying. Uh, a Christian Pulisic that is just tearing it up for Chelsea is a tantalizing prospect for a U.S. men's national team that has been struggling in the final third. Added to that, Gio Reyna has returned from injury and his last game for Borussia Dortmund prior to World Cup qualifiers. He actually went the distance. Uh, for Borussia Dortmund. So we know that he has the fitness. And Greg Berhalter is going to have the weapons in the final third. It's just going to be a question about how he actually employs them, which which brings us to an interesting point that a lot of the um, uh, American national team fan intelligentsia has been bringing up. What if Greg Berhalter kind of goes for this rope-a-dope option against Mexico, where he sort of puts out a team that is going to make it very difficult for Mexico in the first 45 minutes, keep the game close, and then brings in five substitutes, uh, maybe guys the likes of Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, Tim Weah, guys that can really impact the game in the second half uh, and really goes for it that way. It's a really interesting thing. Now, if you think about it that way, then you could potentially see someone like Paul Areola getting a start in Azteca uh, to eat up 45 minutes or 60 minutes, whatever the case may be, uh, to try to keep the score close in order for the U.S. to really go for it in the second half. In the midfield, it gets super interesting. By now, you probably know that Tyler Adams is sitting on a yellow card, and the worst-case scenario would be for Tyler Adams to get a yellow card against Mexico and potentially miss out on the game against Panama. That would be very, very bad. So there's been a lot of speculation that maybe Kellen Acosta gets the nod. As we move forward to that front line, boy, this is interesting because the U.S. certainly has a lot of options. Now that Gio Reyna is 90 minutes match fit, at least he, he was 90 minutes in his last game for Borussia Dortmund, he's certainly an option. Christian Pulisic, certainly an option. Tim Weah, who's been probably the best performing winger for the U.S. men's national team throughout World Cup qualifying, certainly an option. So it's not as if Greg Berhalter lacks firepower. For this game in Estadio Azteca, Honestly, I would say keep Christian on the bench and bring him in after half. Let's save him uh, as much as we can for that Panama game. We know how dynamic Christian can be off the bench. Let's go with Tim Weah, and let's go with uh, Jordan Morris. If, if Brendan Aronson is unavailable, let's go with Jordan Morris and let him eat up some minutes. And then, you know, as we get to halftime, as we get to 60 minutes, let's bring in uh, Brendan Aronson if he's available, Gio Reyna if he's available, Christian Pulisic. Uh, bring these guys in. Let them change the game. Let them absolutely run at Mexico for that last uh, f 45, 30 minutes, whatever, and, and we'll see what we can do uh, at that time. 
At striker, this is a really interesting conversation. A few days ago, you would have said Jordan Pifak is the most informed American striker getting all the goals, but then right before World Cup qualifying, Jesus Ferreira goes out there, gets a hat trick, plus an assist in a pretty incredible breakout game for FC Dallas. So he's riding absolutely high right now. And then there's Ricardo Pepe, the emotional pick, the player who not too long ago had to choose between Mexico and the United States, uh, representing on the international level. He went with the United States and it's been a whirlwind ever since. He gets the transfer to Augsburg and uh, his form has really fallen off. He's struggling to get minutes. He's struggling to get goals. Maybe this is a game where you bring him in and, and uh, the emotion of the game takes over and you see a different Ricardo Pepe. He's certainly the player who I think, if you think that this is going to be a, a game with a lot of transition and a lot of counterattacking, I think he's the guy I would want in that situation. Uh, so I would go with Ricardo Pepe there. Now, as far as how's the game actually going to go, I think I've given some hints to it. I expect Mexico to dominate possession. I expect Hector Moreno and Edson Alvarez to have a lot more time on the ball than they did in the previous matchup and to really dictate. Uh, I expect Tito Corona to be an absolute menace. Irving Lozano is always a difficult to pl player to play with. And if they give Raul Jimenez an opportunity, he can certainly put it away. Uh, I would not be surprised if Mexico goes up early in this one uh, and the U.S. is sort of chasing it from there. I wouldn't be surprised if it's one nothing heading into halftime. But the thing is, as the game goes on, the tighter it is, the, the more the advantage goes to the United States. As I said before, Mexico is fairly thin on this roster. Their best 11 is pretty good. But once you get beyond that, there's not too many guys coming off the bench that are as good as the guys that they're going to be replacing from that starting 11. The U.S. men's national team, on the other hand, the U.S. does have some impact players that they can bring in and really change the game, especially if guys like Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna are not starters from the onset. So in that regard, it's it's going to be really interesting to see if, if players that the U.S. has, players like Kellen Acosta, players like Yunus Musa, uh, players like Jordan Morris, who can absolutely run their butts off and make things as difficult as they can for Mexico in 45 minutes, if they can do that job, if they can gum up the works enough to where it's close for the U.S. men's national team with the last half hour to go, it's going to be really interesting to see how Mexico is able to withstand that. We know one of the weaknesses of Mexico is that athleticism. Is They do have some aging players. They do have some players uh, who, who are not as good in the transition game as the Americans. So as the game wears on, as the game opens up, and as tired legs get replaced by super fast, super aggressive counterattacking players for the Americans, Will the Americans be able to seize that opportunity uh, and, and get a point or get three points uh, in this game? That's going to be the thing that I'm watching for in this matchup. So that's USA versus Mexico as I see it. I'm curious, how do you see it? Do you do you see Greg Berhalter deciding to kind of gum up the works for the first 60 minutes? Or, or do you think he should put in his best lineup? How do you think the U.S. should approach this? And, and if you're a Mexico fan, what are your thoughts on, on this Mexican national team? What do you think uh, about the Mexico's prospects moving towards the World Cup? Let me know in the comments section and if you want DM me commentario in espanol and I'll try to respond to you in Spanish my Spanish is not as good as my English but I'm definitely working on it uh, guys thank you so much for watching if you want this episode in podcast form you can check out the Yank Report podcast everywhere podcasts are found if you really want to support the channel if you want to support me you can become a member and get access to some perks Tier 2 members like Chris Matassa, who's brand new, Mike Irish, Emmanuel Alivarez get shout-outs in the video. Uh, guys, thank you so much for watching. My name is Sam, and this is the Yank Report, brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube.